Coming up this week in Need to Know, our assessment of the first 100 days for President Joseph Biden. In all the fields, we offer a summer preview. And in Gotta Do, Mr. Ward joins the podcast for the first time as a part of Money May. This is Ward and Webster. Hi, Bianca. Hi, Zaya. I feel like your intro voice is getting more and more professional and snazzy, and I am now uh, intimidated or concerned. I feel like I got to step my game up because you are giving me um, late night radio DJ. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I aim for Donnie Simpson when I'm doing the <laughs> intro. I, I always love his voice. And so, and you, your intros are always really, really good. So I'm taking my cues from you, my dear. But I wanted to ask you, are you nervous about your husband being on the podcast? Is he going to embarrass me? <laughs> Is he going to? Um, I'm not nervous. I think he knows what he knows and I am and he's and he's he's great um I'm not nervous as long as you don't embarrass me because we still got to live in this house together (laughs) I must I must acknowledge I am having a little anxiety myself because I keep thinking well what if Bianca and Cliff really like it with just them and they want to get rid of me and then they just have it ward and ward nearly as fun because I feel like he's going to want to talk about things that I am not going to want to talk about like sports like money (laughs) I just don't think it would be as exciting now I know that this past weekend there was a huge cultural event because my twitter timeline was all things pose and um I you know I've shared with you before that I actually don't watch the show when it's in season I prefer to watch it in in the whole thing when it's on Netflix. Did you catch the first two episodes on Pose this past week? I am ready to write a letter to Comcast Xfinity or just cut them all together because I didn't watch it on Sunday. And then it was, uh, I think like Monday, maybe Monday or Tuesday where I was like, okay, boom, like I have to watch it. I'm ready. I go on demand and they only have episode two and not one. I said, well, what the hell is this? Why wait, they like- started in, in the, wait, that doesn't even make sense. Literally episode one, it was not available on demand. Couldn't be found, but two was. And I was like, they did two episodes the first night. Correct. What the hell? I'm giving Comcast way too much money for them to be bullshitting. So <laughs> what I had to do was, I was like, well, let me just set it up to record, but I shouldn't have to do that because that's what on demand is for. So I have to now wait for two episode one to come on again for it to record to be able to watch it. So that's a whole big old mess. <laughs> so all that to say, I am behind as well. Um, folks are posting about it. I I mean, quotes from the show, all of the things, pictures, images. I am ready. I love Pose. I'm sad this is the last season. Um, but yeah, I was re- I was really in my feelings. It seems like it's going to be an emotional roller coaster, and as you would expect mm-hmm. with Pose, but I think that they've gotten into it kind of right off the bat. Um, and I will say, I don't think this is going to spoil too much for folks. Um, at the end of season two, 
um, that at the final scene, one of the final scenes is they're outside the club. Blanca meets these youngsters. She asks them, she asks them if they're hungry and they mm -hmm. kind of set it up to where it looked like they were going to be joining her family, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how they were going to handle that once they made the decision to have season three be the final season. So now, Bianca, we have the answer. Even though I haven't seen the episodes, I have read that they completely left that hanging. Those children aren't even mentioned. <laughs> allegedly aren't even mentioned in the in the premiere of season three they're just gonna leave the babies behind um, like that didn't even happen that wasn't even a thing now nah, i feel some kind of way um but i i am looking forward to it again i really uh, love pose um so excited but i'm always sad when i feel like shows are cut short like they're just it seems i don't know like just not enough and why do you feel that is? Because three seasons is really isn't that long of a run. And this show is very popular. To me, it's not stale. It's entertaining. It's compelling. I, to me, they could go like five seasons. What do you, what do you think's behind only doing a three season arc? I don't know. But I have also seen and read the articles about Janet Mock and the speech that she gave and was like, fuck Hollywood and putting it on blast that she had cheated on um, my little boo thing. <laughs> from Pose, Haribu, thanks. And so um, I, I, with all of that coming out and that being fairly recent, I don't know, I just wonder, and her just being such a key part of the show and, and its existence. Um, now that makes me wonder if one had anything to do with the other. Maybe not, but I am, I am curious because she <sighs> seemed over it. And so I don't know. That don't could know. be part of it. Um, all right. Well, if you aren't watching Pose, you should be. We will be retweeting all of the all of the things on our social media. And it's Sundays on FX if you'd like to get up to date on it. And as I mentioned, I watch it on Netflix. You can watch the whole, you know, first two seasons on Netflix. We highly recommend that. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move to Need to Know. So last week marked the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Bianca and I wanted to offer our own kind of Warden Webster assessment. Uh, Bianca, before we even get into the actual work of the administration, I don't know how I feel about these arbitrary benchmarks like mm -hmm. 100 days, 50 days, 105 days, like who the hell cares really? But since everyone always talks about the first 100 days, I thought, okay, well, why don't we talk about it too? But I, this feels a bit arbitrary to me. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. Because I'm like, you, what is a hundred days when we're talking about four years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not even that much time, really. But I wonder if we do that the same way, because it's not like he gonna get fired. So you know how like when you start a new job and you have it's your first 90 days, your probationary period. That is what we're given. All of the president's uh, so wait, probationary, this is his period. probationary period. It is <laughs> 90. I feel like 100 days uh, just doesn't feel like a lot. It's, it's not enough. But at the same time, um, so I think in particular, we are really going to be looking at this particular 100 days even more closely because he's coming in in the midst of a shit show um, with with COVID, with the departure of <laughs> Trump and, and all of that mess. So it's um, job loss and, and just all of the things that are happening right now. Folks are really like, okay, you here now, what are you going to do? Um, so I mm -hmm. think even more so it is about 
and and he came in um ready excited signing executive orders left and right like the first 20 minutes on the job they signed i feel like they signed 30 in the first few weeks yes and so just so many that it's he's like he's not playing and i think even with um and a lot of that was mentioned in the speech which i know we'll talk about as well but um on today explained shout out to vox you put me on i love this but they had an episode last week um we scored Biden's first 100 days. And it was really cute how it was set up because they were literally like giving him grades on different things, um, climate change, um, immigration, uh, vaccine rollout, like all of this different stuff and and like how they would score him based on and also comparing it to what he was saying on the campaign trails that he said he was going to do. Like, how are you measuring up? What does this look like? And I, I would encourage folks to listen to it because it definitely gave some really um, good and honest perspectives, areas where he is meeting the mark and areas where he is getting incompletes, as they say. Yes, and you all know we're going to drop this in the social media. So um, what she just talked about, look for that on our Twitter, because I will be sending that out. So yes, absolutely. I feel like um, there were a lot of promises made. I feel like they're doing as best job they can at keeping those, but we will get into it. So we're going to talk about the speech in a moment. Um, but first, I want to just kind of name check the vaccine rollout, the stimulus infrastructure. These are kind of the first big three things. And I think from my, you know, from my eyes, Bianca, the rollout of this vaccine is going great. Uh, they have gotten a lot of shots into people's arms, the arms that want them. And, you know, we don't, we could get into that if you want to. And then the stimulus checks, people got their money and people, you know, some people were like, well, he said 2000 and they ended up being 1400. But, you know, 1400 is still 1400. Um, and they work on the infrastructure bill, which is going to be another huge thing. Uh, and if we can get that passed, I think we will really get rolling. So to me, Bianca, for like 100 days, 105 days, however many it's been at this point, they have done extraordinarily well at the things that they on the big ticket items they said they were going to do. And to be honest with you, I have no complaints with the vaccine rollout, the stimulus or with the infrastructure bill. I think especially, I think so much, um, when you think about it, so much as of, of the future of this country and how we move forward, and he talked a lot about moving forward in the speech, um, so dependent on the vaccine and, and really getting COVID under control. And so for it to... Um, for the numbers to be what they are in terms of the amount of folks that are now fully vaccinated, um, even with the mess with Johnson and Johnson, now they're trying to pick things back up and and mm -hmm. get on point because it it's just so it's just so critical in terms of what um, getting people back to work looks like and and reopening businesses or et cetera. So I think for me, that just just the vaccine rollout and and COVID um, was the thing that I was going to be looking most closely at in his first 100 days because almost everything everything after hangs on the on the the balance or the thought success of, of that the, the, yeah the success of people being well to do all of the other things that need to be done. Yeah, I don't know how much you buy into the polls, but if you buy into them at all, he gets his highest approval numbers on, on the vaccine rollout. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's over 60, 65%. And so to get a number that high, it means that independents and Republicans, to a certain extent, 
are giving him high grades on that. And I agree with you. As long as he does well on that, I feel like that's what's what he was hired to do in essence, then everything else will kind of fall into place. And on the vaccine, I'm sure you saw the FDA is considering, I think they're going to consider either late this week or early next week, um, approving it for use in 15 to 16 year olds, the Pfizer one, I believe. Um, and that would be a huge step forward in our vaccine rollout. I had seen Pfizer. I had seen something where they were saying kids as young as 12. So like 12 and up. Yeah, 12 to 16. Is that what I said? 12 to 16? You said you said 15 to 16. No. But Oh, I'm sorry. I meant yeah. to say 12 to 16. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for catching it. I got you. Um, that is a game changer. And I think for that sure. is I think that is a game changer for the schools. Period. Um I know in terms of a lot of, especially a lot of teachers, I know a lot of teachers, I know a lot of folks working in the school system that were very concerned about, about the children, you know, bringing in whatever, because one, kids are gross and they have always been bringing in whatever. That's why there's always been such a push for the flu shot for mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and parents are not going to, first and foremost, parents are not going to do anything that puts their child in harm's way. And so if we don't address that and those concerns, then you can forget about it because, you know, that's just where it begins and ends. Let's get into this speech. It wasn't a State of the Union. It was just a joint session because they don't do State of the Unions, quote unquote, in the president's first year. Who cares the the labels we give to this shit? Because most I didn't people even like, realize that it was different than the State of the Union. Bianca, most know. people don't. It's like we we make we make this we spin this up to into a level that it does need to be spun up to. Of course. Um, can we start with the first lady because her dress was sending me. I loved it. She looked amazing. Now, did you did you catch the dress? I did catch the dress, and what I've noticed too, I was like, Jill has an affinity for flowers and floral things. I yes. don't know when's the last time I've seen her in something that did not was not embellished in flowers. Um, so this was very cute. I, I liked this very much. The little sheer on top situation. It was, it mm -hmm. was lovely. As the president made his way down the aisle of this chamber that was only what, a sixth full because of COVID mm -hmm. restrictions, he passed Liz Cheney, who is a congresswoman from Wyoming. Mm -hmm. uh, she is the daughter of former Vice President uh, Dick Cheney. Mm -hmm. um, she, like any civil human being, greeted the president, gave him a fist bump, and she was just being cordial. Now, Bianca, they don't agree on hardly anything policy-wise, but she was an adult <laughs> adulting to another adult. Would you believe that these people are, have been dragging her for the past week because she had the nerve, the temerity Ooh, to offer come on, a, greeting, temerity. a greeting to the <laughs> president of the United States? And I thought that was so, I think it's so petty mm -hmm. that her, her own party won't allow her to even greet uh, Joe Biden. So I was watching, um, which I don't catch very often, but in preparation, I was watching a clip from The View when they were talking specifically about this. And Megan Hot Mess McCain said, <laughs> oh my gosh, somebody, there's so, you have to see, there's all these memes and tweets um, going out about her hair and that her hairstylist is black and must be a Democrat because <laughs> she has been, anyway, somebody said her hairstylist chooses violence every day. She got away. I will, I will tweet it out. It's, it's late. Anywho. But how she described it was that the Republican Party is very tribal. This is these are her words. And therefore, um, that is why they feel that way. They're a very tribal party and just, you know, but she talked about how much she likes 
um, Liz Cheney, yada, yada, yada. Um, but they were making this thing where it's like, they stick with their own and you can't go against their own. And but a so, greeting, but a greeting, but a, a handshake, a, hand, a fist bump. I mean, that's nothing. But they, she's, that's just being civil to another human being. She was even saying that um, at one point, I think she said either 2012 or 2016 um, about Governor Chris Christie hugging um, President mm-hmm. Obama. And then that's why he wasn't like, just when you go against your own people, you are then ostracized shunned. i mean i guess i guess what i find so upsetting about this is offering a greeting in my estimation is not going against your party that's just being civil and i think a bare minimum is to be nice and offer a greeting to someone when they walk past you i mean that's just we used to call that home training <laughs> my mom would say you have home training when you pass somebody you say hello and goodbye like that's that's not so whatever. can i can Listen, i uh, i'm not gonna go play on. devil's act because me and the devil ain't friends <laughs> But <laughs> on the flip side, we were, well, one, he was a trash ass person, but I mean, canceling, oh, I where you're going. canceling folk that had anything to do with Donald also hot mess <laughs> Trump. So, so let's say if Auntie Maxine, <laughs> Maxine Waters, um, fist bumped, you know, Donald Trump, what would that look like? But Donald Trump is an open racist. Yes. He is an open xenophobe. Yes. He is a rotten person to the core. That is not Joe Biden. And Fair. so I think we can we need to draw a distinction between the two men because they are not, those are not similar situations in my in my mind. Anyway, let's move on because when he got to that podium, sitting behind him were two mm-hmm. extraordinary women. And Bianca, I get into the symbolism of this. Um, obviously, I'm dying to know what you thought of the first time we've ever seen a president speak to Congress and behind him be mm. no men. And I love women. that he mentioned that first in the first like 10 seconds. You know, he just he talked about the two women behind him. Um, yes, there is power in that statement. Can I tell you who the winner of the night was, though? Okay. The winner. Wait, it's. Okay, I'm curious about that. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's knees. She, those knees, honey, she she hopped up and clapped every opportunity. I said, damn, she's swift. These are the simple things that I I noticed. But she's no young lady. She's a a senior citizen. And I say that with all admiration and love. She's grown, grown. Um, Bianca is not a senior citizen. And when I get off my <laughs> bed in the morning, my knees crack. So the way she was leaping up to applaud strongly for um, President Biden, I was here for it. Her and, and, and those knees, I salute her. But it was <laughs> a historical moment for sure. I think the president rises to the occasion so often. I thought he did in this speech. I thought he gave a great Mm -hmm. speech. It was passionate. It was spirited. It was written well and delivered well. And so he really did knock it out of the park, at least in my eyes. I did notice that several Republicans, it looked like they were sleeping. I wasn't there. I, I I couldn't tap them on the shoulder. But it looked like Ted Cruz fell asleep in the middle of the speech. There were times when the president would say, things that you would think that everyone would be in agreement with, that the Republicans didn't applaud or didn't mm-hmm. stand. I think at one point, the president mentioned ending childhood poverty and the Republicans didn't stand up. And I was like, y'all are against that. They're against, they were against a lot of the things. 
Like that's just petty. Like clearly you, I would hope that we can all agree that childhood poverty is a bad thing. Think. And we, we want to get on the same page. You would with that. think, but um, this American Families Plan Act, this thing. American um, Jobs Jobs Act. The family one. one of our, the first yes. one. Yes, you're, so, you got it. Um, it is, it makes me um, proud, excited when I hear about community college being free when I hear about because I know Jill was like boo you need to (laughs) make sure that happens as a professor at a community college um when I hear about you know 12 weeks of a family leave when I hear about just the support around that um you would think everyone could get behind that and so you know he he later went on to talk about it, you know, how is it getting paid and it's time for corporations and the wealthy to do their share and, and pull their weight, um, and to pay taxes <laughs> and, and support mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. things. And so I think that that's, I, you know, that's, that's why some folks are like, mm, we don't need to feed your kids. Um, I agree with all of that. I wanted to shift the conversation to someone that you might find surprising, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina. So he gave the Republican response to the president's speech. I actually don't want to talk too much about him because he's absurd. But in his response, he said that America isn't racist. Um, you and I disagree with that, and we don't even need to get into the reasons why. Because you, we, I think you know, and I think our listeners know where we come from on that. But the next day, the vice president was asked that same question by, by a reporter on one of these shows. It may have been the Today Show, don't quote me, but because I don't remember exactly where she was, but she was asked if she agreed with him because you know they always try to pit these politicians against each other. The vice president said that she also agreed that America wasn't racist. And what I want to talk to you about, Bianca, is the messaging that this administration does when they get that particular question. Because I understand why she answered it the way that she did. She said, she said the country isn't racist, but she said that we need to examine some of the things we've done in our, the countries in, in its past, and that we must speak truth about the racism that has existed. That's how she framed it. And what I'm interested in talking to you about is is the administration handling this question the right way? When someone asks them, is the country racist, should they acknowledge that it is, or should they give the political response, which is what she gave? And the political response is a little bit more muted, and we can get into why we feel like they need, they have to do that. I want to know what I think you they think. are always going to give a political response. I think she... Now, when she goes home and talks to the second gentleman, it, it might be it might be different. Um, but then at the same time, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a I feel like it's a lose lose situation because either she can be blunt and honest and say yes, this country is racist as fuck, and then all of the attacks come and they're they're looking and already all of the ways to vilify this black woman anyway um or she can say what she said and then again people are like nah sis like this country is racist just say it so you can't win there there is no right answer to this question but i think we know the truth (laughs) i think um i think we know the truth i think there are enough 
people out there, I think, especially now to speak the truth. Um, so whether or not it comes from the White House, I don't know what, what, uh, I don't know how much that matters when the reality is we, we know what's what we know, we know what the what is. Yeah, and I want to get her exact quote mm -hmm. on the record for our podcast. So this is what the vice president said. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, no, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak the truth about the history of racism in our country and its existence today. So that's how she framed it when asked if she thought the country was racist. I think what they're trying to do, Bianca, is remember that politics is won and lost on the within the margins and and you know just a few a handful of people in a handful of states really decide things and but and if we turn them off and we're mostly talking about white people if we turn them off well then that's how we end up with someone like Donald Trump it reminds me of the of the language that we use around policing I knew that defund the police was not a good position for us to take because when people hear that it frightens them and it turns them off and so what they might be they might be inclined to agree with us on the policy but just the label that we put on the policy when they hear defund the police that's not a winning label that's not winning messaging and so i think they're trying to do the same thing with this saying that america is racist is not a winning message but trying to nuance it in a way that it, where white people aren't going to be offended it's not the right word but um put off kind of um, on the defensive, make putting it in a way where white people aren't mm -hmm. on the defensive, I think is better politically. Um, the question I, the, what I struggle with Bianca is, why are we nuancing this for the comfort of white people? <laughs> why can't we just yes. call it what it is? But but in politics, you know, when you, when you make people uncomfortable, you lose them and we need these people to vote for us. Sad but true. But I think oh my God, I wish people could see your face. Because I am annoyed as fuck. <laughs> um, because it is, you know, we do so much. In our previous episode, we talked about code switching. Like we do so much for the comfort of others. And instead of speaking truth, instead of talking about you know, the racism in this country, instead of talking about how white supremacy is rooted in everything that we do um, and all of these systems that are not set up for us and how they are failing us as well, instead of being very clear <laughs> and putting that out there, I think we are dancing around it in order to not, pay, not make people upset. Well, no, we are upset and we are dying and, and <laughs> at the hands of the police and we are out here trying to live and raise our children in a country that is inherently racist so and those are just the facts that, so <laughs> call it what it is but we are always going to we're always going to bite our tongues and sugarcoat and all of that in order to also when we talked about code switch and we talked about it as as a means of safety Right. And so I think this is exactly that we are doing that so that we do not continue to upset the people, the, the dominant majority that is shooketh by our by our strength and excellence, if you ask me. 
I agree. So what you need to know this week is that we believe that the nuanced language around America being racist might serve our political purposes, but it's not getting us any further down the road in actually eradicating mm. racism. And we also think that the president has had a pretty good go of it in the first 100 days or so, and we're looking forward to the next 100 days or so. So Bianca, I want to transition us to a lighter, more we fun always topic. We always do <laughs> And so in, our, in all the fields this week, we're doing a summer preview. And on my arc, I put beach and, and sandal season Meow. is here. Now, now we do have calendars. We know that summer's, yeah. well, what, a month away? But whatever, <laughs> it's hot outside. The sun is out in the sky. I, have, I haven't turned on my AC yet. And I'm, I'm holding off as long as yeah. I can. Have you started your AC yet? Because the way mama sweats, honey, I need, I need that on. The husband might think differently, but it's hot. <laughs> Now, this might be a little blue, a little raunchy, but I'm just going to say it and people can get in their feelings about it. I don't care. So I'm actually a little bit sad that sweatpants season is over. Do you know I what, know I what mean you mean, but it transitions, to, it transitions to basketball short season. Is that a thing among women or just, is that a gay men's thing? Because I never really know. It is, it is equal opportunity. <laughs> and we're not going to, you know what, we're going to try to keep this PG. You could just Google it. We don't need to get, we don't need to tell people about if they don't know what we're talking about, it can just go over their head. But yes, I love uh, sweatpants season, <clears throat> but um, it's over, unfortunately. Let's talk about summer. And when I think about summer, I think about the water and swimming. And I wanted to have a conversation with you about Black folks and swimming. I still don't know how, Bianca, and I acknowledge that. <laughs> can you swim? No. Uh, let me wait. <laughs> So, fun story, Bianca, as a wee tot, I think I was about four, I fell in a pool, um, fell in a pool, went down, came up, went back down, <laughs> came up until I was scooped out of it. Since, By someone else. <laughs> yeah, somebody else scooped me up out of there. Um, and I will never forget it. It was um, ooh, one of my earliest I guess, traumatic memories. So for a long time, I was like, nope, I don't want to do pools. I don't want that. No, thank you. Um, I didn't want to learn how to swim. And then when I was in high school, I went to a high school that had a pool and we were, they were learning how to swim. Bianca may have had her period the whole quarter because I did not get into that pool. She didn't really have it. That was the lie she used to get out of- And notes and some bullshit. Um, however, 2019, I was like, Bianca, be better. Like now is the time. Um, and I had signed up for beginner swimming, swimming lessons at like my local community center. And I completed level one. Not great. Congrats. <laughs> but I completed. Um, haven't been in the pool since. That was oh like November God. 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago. I was because and one of the things that the instructor told me is he was like you would be an excellent swimmer if you could get out of your head literally because I can't float I could not I could right. I just can't relax my body enough to actually learn how to swim how <laughs> however I really want my kids to learn how to swim um Noah similarly we've had him in a few different swimming classes but he kind of gets a little nervous about it as well um, I think Grace secretly loves the water but anytime I try to put her in anything organized organized she rebels so I don't know if she's gonna learn how um, the husband is the husband is a fish he Cliff is an 
excellent swimmer. Um, so I'm hoping that they take after him because, and that's the thing too. That's what I think. So since Cliff can swim, I feel like we're all fine. Mm-hmm. Cause if we, if we go down, he gonna, he's gonna oh my God. save one of us, but I want to, I told myself because the instructor was like, oh, you can now do intermediate. And I was like, no, I can't, sir. I'm gonna do this beginner's class at least a Mm-mm. couple, two, three, six more times. Um, and then we'll see. So why can't you, um. So, you, you know, I, black people and swimming is so cliche, but I find it to be so true. So my, I have a trauma as mm-hmm. well. I was at a theme park as a little boy with my father. I don't know who else was there, but it was at least he and I, I was one of those water slides and that man put me on that slide and just pushed me down there. <laughs> and he was like, sink or swim. Literally. And I've been traumatized ever since. And of course I didn't drown. I wasn't even close to drowning, but you know, the experience yeah. of it was was very traumatizing. I remember how I had so much angst about being baptized because I didn't want to be submerged in that mm. water. And my my parents, and I don't want to get into religion too deeply because my views have shifted, but my parents thought that for whatever reason, I just didn't want to get baptized. But the actual reason was it wasn't about my belief system or my faith. It was because I didn't want to be submerged <laughs> in the water. And so that was keeping me from doing it. I had, my fear was that acute. They say that like a lot of people, and it goes epigenetics so so genes are history of trauma as it relates to middle passage and some things right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there's so much but I also um I know that there is benefits and beauties when I hear about people like oh I went and swam laps and it felt so good like I know all of the health benefits and I'm also surprised that you can't swim because you I feel like you love a good beach island I do and I do and my friends particularly my white friends are always on my case about it because you know they they take to water like (laughs) like I take to a good clothes um but you know, I, I can't swim, but I, I constantly think about why I can't and why I should be able to. Mm-hmm. Like, what if somehow I land into a huge body of water and there's no one there to pull yeah. me out? Like, there's reasons why we should do it. And I think the cultural excuses that we've used, like there was no pools in the neighborhood, or mm-hmm. this, is, this isn't this is commonplace to where we grew up. You know, that may be true, but that's not stopping us from learning. That's not stopping us from teaching our kids. Like, mm-hmm. we need to even though I don't know how I, I think that people of color need to really consider whether that's a skill they want to add. <clears throat> and that's definitely a shift um, because the um, the amount of drowning of, of Black kids is, is so high because a lot of them can't swim. So there have definitely been, um, oh gosh, is it Cullen Jones? He was a Black swimmer on the Olympic team. Um, amazing. But I th- and I think it's him, either him or another black swimmer, but they had created a program like in their community teaching, you know, young black kids to swim because of the rates of drowning. So, so we know that oh, we know that we need, we need to learn. So I am committed, um, you know, I'm getting this second, the second dose of Pfizer soon. So when the world opened up just a little bit more for Bianca, I might, um, I might take a lesson. Oh my gosh, we should take lessons together. That would be a great Warden Webster kind of extracurricular thing. We could take pictures and post it to our social media. That might be fun to do this summer, B. Let's let's look into that. And you can pay. Um, so I like I love a good beach in the summer. What are you What do you and your family do in the summer when it's when it's warm out? When you get the extra daylight? Do you do beaches? Do you do other things? What's your beaches and outdoor recommendations? I am ashamed. And I say that very strongly. I am ashamed okay. to admit I have never taken my children to the beach. 
Look at your face. Fix okay, wait, 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 your wait. face. Because we need to give them the full context. How old, how old are your kids first before I really before I really go in deep? Nine and six. So they are age, it's age appropriate. <laughs> now, what what the hell? <laughs> now you can say it, right? Because I grew up going to the beach. Like I I, I grew up, although I am not a swimmer, I grew up going to the beach. The kids, um, I've just, you know. Can I be, let me be honest. <laughs> Anytime you take children anywhere, there are so much layers of preparation that I just don't <laughs> want to deal with. It is packing lunches, it's packing clothes, it's packing extra clothes, it's blankets, it's it's um, sunscreen. It's like all of these things. It's, is my son gonna be annoyed by the sand on his feet that don't, doesn't wipe up? Like all that shit. So we don't, but I, I keep saying that we are going to, but in this, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna, cause I, a couple episodes back, you mentioned how you don't take them to the zoo either. So <laughs> they don't do zoos, they don't do beaches. Where do you take your children for recreation? <laughs> where, where, where are they allowed to go? The park. <laughs> we can go to every park this side of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> but, um, but no, I like to, yeah, we've done the park. We do. Oh, so I have I have family in Jersey. So we'll go up to Jersey. We um, my aunt has a great pool. The kids love that. So and and that's the thing too. Like they like to be in the water. They just can't swim. Um, and so usually in the summertime, it is a lot of parks, maybe some festivals, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, summer is usually my season to be out vending and all of that. So I do a lot of festivals and stuff and we'll have like the husband bring the kids to like see me and kind of hang out, um, outdoor movies, that type of stuff. So we find, we find things to do. I don't want people to think I just have my kids just locked up <laughs> in the house because <laughs> because I hate sand and bugs. (laughs) Yeah, I love a good beach, even though I can't swim. I love being by the water and a little relaxation on the beach. Mm -hmm. Can we get into the attire that people are, that people wear on the beach? Because, you know, um, I- Are you about to body shame somebody? Go ahead. No, no, I don't do that because I don't believe in that. And (laughs) And I don't want you to put that spirit on me right now. I'm going with the choices that people make about how they choose to cover their beautiful bodies, whatever size it is. I really appreciate, and we can do, let's do men first, then women. I appreciate any man of any orientation that takes the time to make himself look good. And I feel like the beach is the perfect kind of like inflection point of the people who put in the effort and the people who just don't even just, it, it, it's the shorts that are so long that they look like culottes. <laughs> They're too big. They're bag. Like you, it's like you're on a beach. Why are you so covered up? <laughs> what is it with with some men, mostly straight men, who try to desexify everything, and they're basically on the beach in in full clothes, in cargo pants? What Bianca? What is that about? Not everybody. I don't know. I can't even. I can't. I can't even. No. Like, I, are I, you really gonna get in the water almost fully dressed? I don't understand. <laughs> But I am not a speedo, bah- uh, what is it called? A banana hammock. But you don't, but, <laughs> but how, about, how about some nice fitted trunks? How about something, how about some square cut? Like there's so many options that are beach appropriate mm-hmm. that you don't have to wear pants or culottes on the fucking beach. <laughs> Every time you say culottes, I am You remember rude. culottes? Yes. <laughs> Nickabacus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they look like. That's what they look like. <laughs> 
because you know you know what really sends me because you have that on one side and then on the other side you have the women who take it to the extreme in the other direction so i don't like these gender constructs where the men are covered up on the beach because i'm trying to look at them too and then the women got everything out everything out whether whether they should have it out or not so it's like can we meet in the middle where everyone kind of accentuates their body as opposed to being too covered up or not covered up enough I am you are tickling me today. Um, yeah, I, yeah, because as I get older, I think, um, like I've never been, I haven't been like a two piece bikini. I don't know if I ever really was. So that <laughs> was, was ex- that was pre pre kids. Right. And I'm not okay. now, you know, I, I remember when they came out with the tankini, I was <laughs> like, yes, this is more my speed. <laughs> Cause it is a tank top man. <laughs> and a little pant thing um, in a bottom. And so that is always where I found comfort. But now I love a good um, one piece. I used to say that I felt that something about being in a swimsuit, maybe it's the spandex and lycra and how it sucks all the things in. That That is where I shine. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think it's just kind of that that balance. But then again, we want people to be comfortable and enjoy mm-hmm. themselves. Um, yeah. and, and, and to embrace their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, even, and even if you're a straight man, you can be, you can be sexy. And, and so you don't have to downplay your sexuality in every sphere of life. I guess that's where I'm coming from. Cause I feel like, I feel like particularly in hetero, heteronormatives situations, mm-hmm. the woman is the one that puts in all the effort to stay attractive and beautiful. And the man can just be whatever. And I don't like, I don't like that <laughs> dynamic. You, and you laugh because you know, it's true. The, that laughter is the, it's kind of, you know, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> The woman always has to be pulled together. She's made up, her hair's done, her face is made. And then the man is just, however he showed up that day. Fuck that, put in a little effort, go to the gym, put on a nice bathing suit. You can look sexy too. And you can put in as much effort as her. I'm sorry, I had to put it out there. Maybe it's also about comfort. So what do you think of like swim trunks? I like, so again. Cause I feel like the ones man, you were mentioning were like. No, no, no. A tall guy with mm-hmm. a nice pair of trunks that go halfway down the leg is perfect. Okay. Because he's doing that because he's got the leg to do it. I'm talking about guys who are like five, seven, five, eight, five, nine. <laughs> they wearing these long trunks that go all the way past their knees, halfway down their leg. Those are, what are you wearing? <laughs> like that's not beach attire. <laughs> that's something you wear to, I don't know. I don't know what you wear that to, but like you, you would look better. I guess the point I'm trying to make is some men would actually look better in a mm-hmm. shorter short, mm-hmm. but they don't do it because, because quote unquote, that's what gay men wear or it's too effeminate or they don't want, they don't want people to think that they're not mm-hmm. manly because to be manly means that you're going to be baggy and covered up. Think about, think about this, Bianca. Yeah. Think about the NBA shorts from the 70s and 80s Ooh. and think about the NBA shorts now. Right. And that tells you everything you need to know about this topic. Yes. Because I think even just men's dress in the 70s and 80s was just far different. It was snug. <laughs> well, again, when I, and I talked about the Isley Brothers last week, but those Isleys, honey, had on a crop top suit. <laughs> exactly. And a, and a and, of situation. And nobody batted an eye. But no. If a straight, but if a straight man wore that today, it would be... It would be a whole nother conversation. And I think mm. that um, they just don't feel comfortable because the connotation is so different. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what happened between the 70s and now that that we've seen such a, a so, such a revert in this regard. But it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. I think, and I'm not talking about tight, no one really looks good in tight clothes. I'm talking about 
fitted, like just fitting the clothes to your body, wearing your size. And nowadays, I feel like a lot of guys, particularly in the hip hop community, I mean, if you're not wearing something that's two sizes too big, then you're not even dressed. And so it's like, what is that about really? <laughs> because everyone looks better in fitted clothes. That's just my opinion. Fair. And I have seen, I have, I have seen both ends of the spectrum in, in my lifetime. Um, but my husband is a grown-up that wears clothes that fit. And I appreciate him. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Cliff's going to be on, so I really should just ask him this. But since we're on the beach, let's get into the feet. Now, I know that you are someone who takes care of your feet, and I definitely takes care of mine. Mine are usually polished. Does your husband do the pedicures, or does he draw the line? He does. Hmm. It's been a while. Well, obviously, COVID, trash. Um, <laughs> but he used to do a pedicure. I know like he would always do like a mani pedi for his birthday. Like mm -hmm, he would mm -hmm. do, he would definitely do them occasionally. Now my father, my father had standing manicures and pedicures. And Good I remember that, I remember that growing up for sure. <laughs> how did, how did something so basic turn into such a quote unquote feminine thing to where some guys feel like it's it's too femme to do that. I, I, I'm bothered by the fact that just taking mm. care of your nails is seen as something not masculine. Where the hell did that come from? I think it also remember, I remember growing up hearing things like, you know, hardworking men have calluses on their hands. What's <laughs> that? <laughs> You don't rub me with calluses. Oh, you can you can work hard and have soft hands. <laughs> Wear some gloves. Oh, <laughs> uh, so maybe it's that, like a, a you know that that stereotype of a you know that sign of hard work is is in your hands and I guess your feet. But whew, but there's so much um, need to take care of your feet. <laughs> Well, I think, I think back to growing up and my mom, so I come from a household that was very gendered and very kind of stereotypical. My mother was always on my case about lotion. Like she hated seeing me with ashy knees and she would never encourage me to do mani-pedis. So like on the once on the one extreme, lotion was a must have, but taking care of my hands and, and feet the way that my sisters did was seen as somehow feminine. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how that came to be, but like that was the that was how she that was how she drew it up in her household. And so at an early age, I got I got two different messages. I got, okay, you can't leave the house with ashy legs, but you're not going with your sisters and your mother to the salon to get your nails done because that's seen as that would be that would be too thin. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um yes. Ooh, lotion. I mean, please, let's all encourage. <laughs> I stumbled onto one of her buzzwords. <laughs> People gotta please moisturize yourself. But I also think <laughs> there is um, but I, if you think about it too, like it's 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 now it seems like very two extremes, right? Because there's also a whole um, line of businesses and things that are really catering to men's grooming. There are men's salons and there's, um, you know, I know sometimes when I go to the nail salon, they have these things called like the athlete's pedicure. So that's mm -hmm, supposed mm -hmm. to, I, guess to I, I was going to say, I'm trying to butcher that. <laughs> it's just many, you got to your feet in the same water that I do, but it's fine. Whatever makes you feel strong. Um, <laughs> and so there is uh there is that shift even in 
again, like the, the lines of face products geared towards men and just all of these things. And so, but I don't know, um, I haven't seen just how much the, the male Manny Petty circuit has, <laughs> has caught up with all of the advancements in men's grooming. So if anybody out there um, has a salon that caters to men's hands and feet, let us yeah. know so that we actually. Can- Go ahead. And so that we can um support that and call that out. I, and I have a few that Woo-hoo! I frequent, so I can share those with, on our social media accounts. We will yes. do that this week. So the bottom line is, it's the weather's getting nice. It's sandal season. It's beach season. Stay lotion, <laughs> lotion those ashy ass knees, and get your and do, yes. go get a pedicure. Do yourself a favor. And if you could be so bold, I would say even put a little polish on those nails. I I put polish on my my feet, and I don't care. But now. I'm a flaming homosexual, so that may have something to do with it. But even if you're not, there's nothing stopping you from putting a little polish on there just to celebrate life. I love it. (laughs) Bianca, every time I think of summer in any context, the song that pops into my head is Will Smith. Am I the only one? (laughs) That is, when it starts out, drums, please. Like that is literally the... (laughs) That is a cookout anthem right there with like Frankie Beverly and Mays. <laughs> like there are just certain songs that are summer jams. And I can think of, I, I remember that summer when that song came out and hearing it everywhere. And so it's also just very nostalgic when you hear it because it takes you back um, to a place. And I and I might bump it today because it's sunny outside. I feel like I did. <laughs> I now need that in my spirit. The reason I raised it is because I was going to ask you what other tunes kind of pop into your head or are there others? Because to me, that's when I hear that song, I'm right back. I'm on the beach. It's like mm-hmm. I'm on the beach. I'm in, a, I'm in someone's backyard mm-hmm. at a barbecue. Like, I feel like th- that's the song that's in my head. And so he did a really good job of syncing that song with a yes. feeling, with an emotion, with a season. Are there any others? Because to me, that's that's the one. I feel like that's it. I um. I will say there are certain genres of music that I listen to more when the weather turns, house music being one of them. So as it gets hot, I don't know, I need some old house jams or some Frankie Knuckle mixes. Like I need that Um, because the summer is just a vibe. So I I, I need things that are going to uplift me and and keep me hype. But Will Smith, that, that song right there kudos to him have you seen side note have you seen um his his body pics wait recently yes i'm googling them right now keep talking i'm gonna pull them up so he had so he had an instagram post that was like i'm gonna be honest i'm in the worst shape of my life and he is giving people calling it the dad bod because um his body does not look like the will smith that we know but also I am celebrating. A lot of people are celebrating it because it's like, yes, Will, relax. We all in, look, we all have a COVID-19 pound situation that we have gained Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that we don't have to Mm -hmm. be on all the time. And so he is really just putting it out there. But the picture of him in the shorts and his belly out and (laughs) his little um, slippers on, his house shoes on, has been <laughs> everywhere, but he's just like, how did I miss I don't this? Know, but it is, um, but but shout out to Will Smith <clears throat> to reminding us that all bodies are beautiful. 
Now, I know the listeners, man, I know this, I know you know this. I love a mature man and this quote unquote dad bod does not bother me at all. As a matter of fact, I prefer <laughs> it. So I will definitely get into this a little bit later on and enjoy these pictures of Will Smith. And thank you for alerting me. And yes, I will be tweeting them out as well on our Twitter account. Yes. So Bianca, we're going to transition to something really exciting. And since it involves your household, I'm going to turn this over to you. We are... <laughs> yes. <laughs> In this week's Gotta Do, we are dipping our big toe, maybe the pinky one, into the world of investing and trading in the stock market. Um, and we are doing that with a very special guest this afternoon, evening, morning, or good night. Um, my sometimes better half, Mr. Clifton Ward. I said I use your government name. Hey, hey, boo. He's not gonna, you, you can unmute now. <laughs> just, as usual, just waiting for my cue. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is such a treat. Uh, sorry to interrupt Bianca, <laughs> but since I interrupt you all the time, I don't know why it would be any different now that your husband's here. This is such a treat to have both of the wards on. But I have to say for the listeners, they're in different rooms, even though they're in the same house. Yes. <laughs> and I find Because we are comical. professionals, one. And two, I'm sure at any point there will be more wards because one of these little kids going to come in and wonder what we're doing and um, but no, I thought different rooms would be good. That way, uh, Hugh, I call him Hugh, ladies and gentlemen, that way Hugh could focus on the questions and not be distracted. Oh, yes. Yes. By you. Yes. Yes. Ow. <laughs> he loves me or whatever. So let's get into the things. So before we started, I just want to be clear that, um, the husband was correcting me because I was talking about investing, um, kind of a investing 101. And he was like, nah, I'm beyond that. I'm trading stocks now. And I said, oh, well, okay, who the hell am I? I don't know these things. Um, but what's yours is mine. <laughs> mine is mine and then ours. Um, so I just want to be clear that we will be asking you about both things or whatever you would like to speak on the investing, the trading, the stock market, because you know, I know nothing of these things. So, but what I do know is in the past year, especially since folks have been home, um, people's money has been funny. I feel like I'm seeing more and more of my friends, our friends, peers, getting into the stock market, trading, doing all of the things. And so, um, and you being one of them. And I think, well, let's be clear. Like you said, you've always been doing the things. Um, you kicking it up a notch. <laughs> um, Just but... come with me. <laughs> we, can do, we can win together. See, again. Which is yours... actually sort of sweet. I'm loving every minute of this. Which I must... Yours is mine. Um, but I will say that I have been, you know, from the background watching you, like when I say invested, invested, re reading and webinars, podcasts, like you have been really in it. So um, tell me a little bit, tell, tell the listeners what's, um, I guess, sparked your interest in, in the stock market period, in training and training, listen to me, in trading <laughs> and in why now? Because you're, you're in it. Um, so I guess, so for me, just, just going back to the investing part, 
that was just me just um, just thinking about where to put um, my money, our money, <laughs> um, somewhere that- Our, I, I appreciate that correction. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, yes. Um, putting it somewhere where it can grow, um, you know, versus the traditional savings account, which nowadays you aren't getting a lot of, you know, interest on it. So um, that's where I started, you know, initially investing. Um, but this past year, um, uh, well, as you know, um, I listened to a lot of, you know, financial podcasts. And so I had um, on one particular podcast, uh, Paychecks and Balances, um, I'd heard this young lady by the name of, uh, let me not butcher her name, Terry Egiomi, <laughs> um, just tell her story in terms of how she got into, she has this platform called Trade and Travel. And she used to be an educator in the schools and she was telling her story how she quit her job and just was trading stocks and traveling. And um, I loved her story. I loved her energy and her spirit. Um, and so I heard her story initially, like the first part of 2020. Um, and then I heard her again on, on another podcast I listened to, which is uh, Journey to Launch. And so that, um, you know, it was the same basic interview same story but that particular time they just kind of sparked my interest again I was like ah should I you know get into it so mind you she has this um stock program which is you know not cheap it's uh $2,500 to buy into it did we pay for that did did we we paid for $2,500 we we did did we? Because this is the first I'm hearing of this, friend. Carry on. We invested in. <laughs> we we invested. Okay. We invested in in ourselves. We invested in ourselves, and um and of course you you know where that money came from. Where? The stimmy. Okay. No, no, no. The, the uh, blessing boards from earlier. Uh, we not we not talking about that today. No, stay focused. I, no, and no, we we don't have to. I'm just I'm just letting you know where the with the extra the blessing boards is what i think i heard you say cliff we will come back to that because i am all kind of curious no go ahead so so yeah so i invested in us and paid for the program so the curriculum is a four-week uh, curriculum she gives it all to you in one set like you know netflix um and you go through it at your own pace um, so initially I started in October of last year. Um, initially I was all gone home. I think I got into like maybe the first or second week, then life and work happened. I put it down. Um, but then towards the end of the year, I made a promise to myself to pick it back up and just really dive into the curriculum. And I did. And then so for about, I think the first part of January, um, January, February, I started trading. Um, and on my second trade, I made $1,400 in a day and I was like, okay, okay. Okay. So, we sure so, we so at that point I'd made almost my, when, you know, my, our initial investment back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is something in my that I, I just started, you know, it was like my second trade and I was, you know, I was like, wow. Um, and so I've only been doing it now for about what three months. Um, it's new, it's exciting, it's nerve wracking. Um, but to me, it's just 
a way to make, you know, more money on the side. Um, but also it's, you know, I've seen other students, you know, quit their jobs, um, definitely changing lives. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, and it's a skill that I will have for the rest of my life. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that has been interesting um, to do for the past few months. I'm still learning, you know, still trying to get better at it. Um, but I think it's definitely, it's, it's definitely been good for, for us, for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, you know, when I win, we win. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all for the good. But Cliff, let me ask you this. So I've been talking to some of my friends about this very same topic. And I think for myself and what I've seen amongst other people who are not maybe as well-versed as, as you and BR, like when you're deciding on that initial amount like, how do you come to that figure? What have you learned about what's the right size or the right percent? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you know that it's too much money or do you, is it literally just, this is how much money I feel like I can invest right now. Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned about the initial stepping into this and what's the right size. Um, yeah, well, definitely you want to, um, you know, figure out how much you can put in. Um, I know for me, like for each trade I enter, you know, we have this risk factor and just in terms of how much we are willing to lose on a trade. Um, it, it could be $100, it could be $500, it could be $1,000, you know, whatever, you know, if you're balling like that, you know, <laughs> the sky's the limit. Um, but for me, uh, I, like normally I do like, I may do like maybe I may buy 50 shares, I may do 100 shares, um, but at the same time, you, you know, of course, you know, doing the math, the more shares you buy, the more rewards you get at the end. Um, but also at the same time, you know, less shares you buy, then, you know, you kind of, your, your, your risk level goes down a notch. Um, so it's all about, um, I think, the, the, the particular stock that you may look at and want to buy into. Um, and then also, like I said, your risk factor, how much are you willing to lose? How much can you spend? Um, so I think all that goes into, I know for me, just initially going into it, um, but I think as I, you know, the further along I go into, I, I'm just right now, I'm just trying to develop a great system where it just seems more automatic than I'm overthinking things, if that makes sense. So how are you, um... What tips do you have or how are you choosing what stocks you purchase or, or what stocks you trade? Because for me, I think I would be like, oh, I love eating Haagen-Dazs right now. Um, let me just <laughs> go ahead and, and buy stock in that. Is it just strictly interest? Are you researching? How are you making those choices? Okay, so so for that, it's, it's kind of twofold. So it's one... Um, for me, trading stocks and buying stocks to hold long-term, for me, is two different processes. So yes, if you want to buy a stock um, and keep it long-term, yes. If you like Haagen-Dazs, go for it. And, and if it's a good company, then go for it. But for me, if Haagen-Dazs is not selling right now, I'm not buying it. So, so there's the difference. 
Um, so yes, I, I do I do purchase stocks for the long term, you know, your Amazons and your Apples and all that. But at the same time, I will trade those as well if they're doing well um, right now. So that's kind of that's kind of the difference. Um, I do have a I do have a watch list that I that I keep that I keep during the week um, and I monitor every day um, because there are certain stocks that will do well, um, you know, over a, a period of time. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I have made money like off of AMC. Um, usually on a usually on a on a day trade, I've done well with that. Um, but they've been flood that that's been fluctuating. Um, I've done well with uh, AMD, um, and these are just ticker symbols. I'm sorry, I'm just using acronyms. Um, e fancy. Look so at you using acronyms. <laughs> so what is what is what's, what's that? But then, and I also want to. Um, we have a little echo. I also want to say that the opinions expressed by our guests are his alone. So yes. I don't want to hear people saying, well, I listened to Warden. Thank you. I listened to Warden Webster and Cliff Ward said, I need to buy. And then they mad at me. Yes. Yes. And carry yes. on. Yes. Yes. Please. Sorry. These are just my opinions and my selections. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I, did I answer the question? And what was the question again? No, you. Uh, <laughs> bless your heart. You did. You did. <laughs> so I will think that's an interesting question that you posed, Bianca, because last year I remember that Disney stock took a slight dip. It was not in any way low, but because the business, because their theme parks took such a hit. <clears throat> their stock was a little bit lower than usual. So the, the price to get in was not as high as it normally was. And I told my friends, I was like, if there is one company that's always gonna bounce back, it's Walt Disney. So we should probably buy now while it's a little bit lower than usual because it's just a year from now, it's gonna be you know, so much more money. And sure enough, one year later, had we bought any amount of stock in Walt Disney, it would be way more now. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a good point, because last year when the pandemic started, um, that was a good time to buy stocks. I actually purchased some American Airlines stocks for like nine dollars um, and they're, they're now trading like over twenty dollars now. So um, it was it was a good time to buy, you know, certain stocks like you said, um, Disney, um, the cruise lines, all the airlines, anything travel related. <laughs> you know, those stocks were down. Um, and then also stocks that were on the uptick, the like Zoom, because everybody's using Zoom, um, the food delivery services, um, let's say like Uber, even Uber, DoorDash, all those were like good stocks to buy. And I think that's for anyone trying to get into, you know, stocks and everything like that. I think you just just look at the trends, like what's going on, you know, like right now there's this big thing with um, electric vehicles um, and how even though Tesla has like, you know, the monopoly on the whole industry, but now there's talk of Ford and General Motors um, maybe becoming, you know, competitors and maybe um, on the same level with Tesla. Um, so I, I, you know, took a chance and, and bought some stock in Ford. Uh, which is very cheap right now. It's like eleven, twelve dollars a share. We we did. No. Oh yes, I forgot. Yeah, yes, yes, we did, baby. We okay. did. Yes. Yes. 
I'm looking out for us. I'm looking out for us. And, and we're gonna and we're gonna get to that because I do um how we are different um is I think you have um you've always had like a lot of forward vision in terms of um family like you talk about retirement and things and I've told you before when you retire I retire so whatever we need to do to let those dates and times align because you're not gonna be sitting on the beach without me (laughs) um but I just I do I appreciate you having that that vision and that forecasting in terms of um wealth and stability uh because you know Amazon live at the house and because I'm a little more reckless. That's why I keep telling you, just just buy some stock because you're giving Jeff Bezos all the money. Just <laughs> buy me some. Okay, but let's go. <laughs> I want to go back to um, something that you had mentioned earlier because you were name dropping a few um, podcasts you listened to. And so we also want to make sure that we're able to link some of that information. Um but yeah, what what podcasts or books or YouTube's or even groups that you recommend for for new folks starting out? Um, so for me, it's all about financial literacy first and foremost. So um, I listen to maybe about four or five different podcasts, and they're all black. They're all black, even though some of the guests they have on there may not. Let's be, be clear. May black. not. Because <laughs> we believe. And yes. Bianca's very clear on this podcast <laughs> about where our allegiances lie. Blackity, black, black, black. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yes, yes. But I've been, I've been at the same time, I think it's good that we listen to, you know, our own people in the financial space telling black and brown people how to maneuver in the financial space. And I, I think that's, you know, to just be intentional about, you know, who you listen to and where your information um, is coming from. So um, for me, I listen to, like I mentioned before, Paychecks and Balances, um, Journey to Launch, um, His and Her Money. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Brown Ambition, which is hosted by your Book of the Month author, The Budgetista. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I have a, so that's, is that four? Yeah, I think that's four. So that's, that's on my rotation. Um, and then I also have you guys in there, but you know, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> category. <laughs> as long as you're faithful. Thank you. Um, yes. And so for, as far as books, um, I took it back to the basics. So my first initial book about investing was Investing for Dummies. Um, and it was it was a great book because it breaks down just all the different investments you can um, have in terms of you can invest in stocks, mutual funds, real estate, um, just all the ways you can build wealth. And so that was like a springboard for me, just getting into the whole investment space. Um, for YouTube, it's, uh, I gotta go back to, you know, trade and travel. Um, Terry has a great YouTube channel. Um, also, Our Rich Journey. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the couple and I can't, remember their name but they retired at like I think age 39 or something like that um that's what I want okay we'll get back to that go ahead keep trading the things (laughs) um and so now they're they're living their best life um overseas um they have a great YouTube channel um and 
Yeah, I, for right now, yeah, I just named those two. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of others um, that you can get. But, uh, but yeah, but like I said, that's that's a good start in resources. But like I said, you can also do your own research. Um, CNBC is a great uh, resource as well. To um, I have the app um, <laughs> and watch the news channel all day if you want to. Um, but yeah, those are those are great resources if you're trying to just you know learn about stocks, investing, and all that. That is very good intel. We're going to drop all of that into the link tree. Um, we're going to drop all of that into the link tree so that people can take advantage of those resources. One thing, Cliff, that I have learned from your wife is the importance of supporting us. You know, I can get homemade earrings from anybody, <laughs> but why not buy them from Bianca? <laughs> <laughs> like if you're going to be out here in the streets spending your money on that, give that money to Miss Ward. So like we totally, you know, we can't stress enough the importance of um, looking for podcast resources, books that are for us, by us, because why not? I wanted to ask you a question about how challenging this has been to kind of get into, learn about, and do. And and if not, if, and if you don't feel like it's been challenging, maybe you can look at the flip side and, and maybe talk about the most rewarding thing about it. But I'm really curious about what has been kind of like an obstacle, if you will, in your in your kind of like uh, leaning more into this as you've as you've gotten more um, conversant in this whole idea of investing. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, it's just um, I think we as as Black and Brown people, we're we're starting late. Um, as you know, most most white people, they are, you know, they have generational wealth. Um, they're kind of raised um, in a family where, you know, maybe their their parents and their grandparents started investing and they just passed that down to them. Um, and I think a lot of us, I know for myself, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. I didn't have that coming up. Um, I'm just a, you know, I was just a poor kid from Washington, D.C., Southeast, Ward eight. Um, <laughs> and so to even be in this, you know, space and talking about investing is 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 crazy. Um, but I think we we need and I, and I think it, at this day and age and this time, it's it's so it's a lot easier to do. I mean, about 20, 15 years ago to invest, you needed like $1,000 to $5,000, whereas now you can pull out your phone, download an app, pay $5 and buy a stock. And congratulations, you're a stock, you're a stock owner. And it's that easy now. And so for the average American, it's, you know, it's easy to get into the stock market and all that. Um, and for me, I think the most challenging has been just, just learning something new. I mean, with anything, you know, learning something new is hard. Um, and for me, like I said, I'm still learning. Um, and for me, it's, you know, learning how to, to chart the stocks, um, learning when to get in, learning when to get out, um, having patience, which is, is very hard. Um, because I mean, sometimes you can, you can get into, you can get into a stock, um, and it's like, oh, should I get out? Because I, I, I mean, I've had an experience where I've gotten into a stock, gotten out too early. Sometimes I got out too late, lost something. So it's kind of that trial and error that I've been going through. But at the same time, it's been, like I said, exciting um, because it, it, it is something new. 
And the rewarding part is, you know, as you see your account grow um, and you just look back and, and see like, wow, okay, I have this new skill that I'm still learning, um, but look at what I'm doing. Look at, you know, look where I came from to where I am now. And so I think, you know, once you look at it like that, um, you, you know, you feel, uh, you know, you feel pretty good about yourself. I mean, I know there are, there can be times where you can get a little cocky, you know, if you get like, you know, you have a string of, of three or four days where you're getting some good gains. And then, you know, the next day, the, uh, the market tells you, no, sir, <laughs> you're not making any money today. And so it's, you know, you have your ups and downs. Um, but, you know, with that, that's expected. You know, the market is, is funny like that. It goes up, up, up some days and it's down some days. So that's how it is. So I think for me, yeah, it's, it's been challenging, but, you know, also very rewarding in the end. So I look forward to reaping all of the rewards with you. <laughs> I'm quite sure you do. <laughs> I feel like the next time I say, babe, can we buy such and such or we should get such and such and mm. you try to say no, I'm going to be like, but remember that time when you gained like $1,400 in a day with the stock? I don't know. I'm just going to say, <laughs> remember. And, and, and there lies the difference. There lies <laughs> the difference with us. You choose to spend. I choose to save. <laughs> balance see here this is this is mm -hmm. why this is why we work yes. um <laughs> any final thoughts or tips for the folks listening or how to get in on this amazing trading journey um i would say uh, i guess whatever you decide to get into whether it's trading stocks or just investing in stocks or just investing period um just do your research um you know invest what you can afford because because basically you know you're investing money for the long term so you know just in, just invest if you have some spare cash if you have some you know money left over from the stimmy um your tax refund um that you can spare that you don't need for your rent or mortgage child daycare or whatever um you know, and put it into something, you know, put it into an index fund, a mutual fund. Um, if you need a retirement fund, you know, Roth IRA is good, it's tax-free, um, and just watch it grow, you know, just set it, um, yeah, set it, forget it, but, you know, constantly contribute, of course, um, and just let it grow, you know. I mean, not only are you doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for your, you know, your family, generational wealth to pass down, you know, and that's something that we, I know for me, I, I haven't seen, you know, and I would like to, you know, just, you know, break that mold and just, you know, be different. Mm -hmm. So I do have one final question, B, uh -huh. before we let Cliff go. So Cliff, in our production meeting, Bianca told me that I was not allowed to ask you personal questions. <laughs> But since I own 50% of this podcast, I'm not asking anyone. She could just be in her feelings about it. So y'all have been married for how long? It's 11 years. Okay, yeah, so y'all been married, I'm married for 11 years. Congratulations. I want to know when was the moment, if you can share with us, and if it's too personal, I understand. When was the moment that you knew that this woman right here was the woman? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. I wish y'all could see my face because his answer better be great. <laughs> I, don't, I, 
I don't know the exact day or time, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, will, I will tell you this. So for, um, you know, anyone, you know, dating, trying to find that special person, um, you do have this mental checklist in your head. And so I will say that um, from dating Bianca, she did um, check all the boxes. Um, you know, initially she was not, and, and she would say the same thing. I don't think we saw this, you know, marriage 11 years later, two kids. Um, we didn't see this, you know, we were just two people, you know, dating, trying to get to know one another. Um, and it's just like, you know, the Deborah Cox song, you know, how did we get here? Where did you come from? What's the name of the song? <laughs> I was like, wait, which one? Right. <laughs> right. Wait, how does it go, Bean? Nobody's supposed to be here. Nobody's, like, nobody's supposed to be here. Uh-huh. <laughs> We can and we can cut this later, but didn't y'all meet at work? Weren't y'all didn't y'all start as a work romance? Yes, yes, yes. It was work okay. romance, yes. Um as people say, you shouldn't, you know, where you works, but you know, it worked for us. It worked for us. Um and so yeah, so it was so so she checked off, you know, all the boxes. Um she was very smart, um, great cook. Uh <laughs> But not better than Doreen. Let, let's let's make sure we get all of the acknowledgments in there. We don't want any not, trouble I'm, in the world. I'm not going to throw shade on my wife. She she can throw down, especially during this pandemic. She is doing her thing in the kitchen. Yes, she her creamy curry chicken. She know that's my favorite. <laughs> now I'm going to have to feed him. Um, see what you set up. I I was not planning, but now I'm like, oh, let me cook him something. <laughs> a mess and here and here we are <laughs> yes yes but 11 all right well cliff it is great to meet you it's great to have you on the podcast come back anytime and when we need a substitute you could come on and it will still be warden webster oh my god that's perfect and then y'all can talk about football and things that i know nothing about football and bourbon because i know that we can at least so talk about that for Isaiah. yes i have so many questions <laughs> On that note, <laughs> um, thanks again to the husband, Mr. Ward, for sharing um, wisdom and tips and insight um, and his money. Um, as we <laughs> as we prepare to wrap up, um, as part of our May Gotta Do's, one of them uh, was to support a community organization, organization that was doing some good shit. And so Isaiah and I will be sharing organizations that we are supporting this month. The first one um, that I am supporting is a um, friend and guest of the a previous show. So we are supporting Baltimore Ceasefire this week with donations. They have a ceasefire weekend um, this weekend, it's Mother's Day weekend, and they are doing um, good in the hood, as Isaiah has said before. And so we want to make sure that we are um, putting our money where our mouth is and supporting our community. Um, so continue to listen and learn more about the organizations that we are supporting and also how you can get involved. Um, and with that being said, continue to follow us on the things, the Instagrams, the, I was about to say the Facebook, but we're not on Facebook because Isaiah's mm -hmm. not on Facebook and that's mm -hmm. the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> the tweeters and listen every weekend. Continue to share 
this um, podcast with folks. I love it when people are like, oh, I told so-and-so about your podcast. And I'm like, for real, girl, thanks. Um, continue wait. to- <laughs> And wait, get the handle in there because you didn't say the handle. You just mentioned social oh, media. Oh, sorry. At Ward and Webster. At Ward and Webster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Continue to read the book. I just started it and it is amazing. It is really providing some aha moments right now the book for may is get good with money by tiffany aliche the budgetista um, so continue to read continue to share your pictures of you reading or listening or however you're consuming her great work we want to see them um, and with that being said i'm because i haven't been singing i'm bianca ward well, I guess her husband here now, she feel like singing. Again. Hey! So now we know what it takes. I'm Isaiah Webster. Thanks for watching or listening. Listen, listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>